Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast. So I don't know if this is nostalgia for you or not, but you know how there's like 80s TV shows mm-hmm. and then they sometimes get remade and then, you know, yep. some of the times they're crap. Some of the times they're, they're actually people are like, oh, no, this is the real one now. <laughs> when, when you this is replaces the old one and then people start talking about like they they used to to only talk of, like wax poetic about the old one but as soon as something better comes along that is the same thing they start uh, that allows them to talk crap about the old one because they have a replacement that's actually good they're like oh my god thank good thank goodness this is good i can now say how bad a lot of the things in the old one were and how cheesy and 80s it was mm-hmm. so so when you think of He-Man, what era do you think of He-Man being from? The 80s. Yeah, but apparently in 2002, they remade it. And the remake yeah, was really, really good. But now there's a new one coming out. People are like, no, just ignore the new one. You've got to go all the way. <laughs> this is the back. new, new one. The new, new one's too yeah. new. You have to go back old school, which is now 2002. Did the-, did the 2002 one... Like, did he have the same kind of hair? I thought his hair was, like, more modern. Oh, in 2002? Yeah. It's not as... They kind of updated... Old. It's not Yeah, super... it was... It, there wasn't this, like, weird bowl-cut, like, uh, Conan. No, no, it wasn't. It was, yeah. it was pat post-2000s. Like. <laughs> it wasn't even, like, 90s, you could still see that happening if it was the remake. But post-2000, no one would buy that toy. Yeah, that's too bad. But yeah, so they're remaking it. And, oh, and apparently it's are crap. you excited? No, I I never watched any of them before. And people were just like, oh, the new one's such crap. You should just watch the 2002. So I'm like, oh, maybe Whoa, I'll... Wait, they think the new one is crap. Mm-hmm. And they said you should watch the 2002 one. So suddenly, because the new one is not good, they're telling you to go to the 2002 one that nobody cared about. That was on the TV for like three years and then went off the air because nobody cared about it. Yeah, I think it has two seasons. And now I'm like, oh, I should watch this. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, what's, what's everybody into He-Man for? And, you know, it's kind of a fun show. But yeah, what well, it gets I me thought... realizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yep. like, I didn't, I hadn't watched He-Man before. So I didn't realize where it was set. I was like, oh, it's just a bunch of dudes running around punching each other and sort of like more medieval setting but in reality when you watch it it's like oh this is like a hundred percent cyberpunk holy crap but it's out of like (laughs) everyone has like Uh, my impression is not what it is because everybody has like i wouldn't say cyberpunk no but it's definitely it's definitely like a mix of fantasy and 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 uh and machinery and stuff like that yeah, well, it feels very sci-fi just because everybody's like, they've got weird pistols. They've got yeah. all these body mods that like change shapes. Yeah. It felt more like that, that, I don't know, that 60s, 70s science, fi- science fiction, right? With the ray gun laser kind of thing. Except He-Man uses, you know, a sword. But the, it's it's almost that like, what do you call it? Is it, is it called like space sword and sorcery? Like, yeah. uh, like John Carter of Mars kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Where they've got yeah. wep- they've got like fantasy weapons, but they have some sort of tech in them where it's clearly something yep. of sci-fi. So, yep, yeah. So you you actually liked? Wait, you didn't like it because that's the old He-Man. How old? What? How old are we going? 
the original in the 80s. I I never I watched like one or two episodes of the 2002 He-Man. Mm-hmm. So you're saying the 2002 He-Man is even more cyberpunk? Possibly. It's pretty it's pretty cyberized or more cyberized or what do you call it? Mm-hmm. Space spacey. And okay. Yeah. So what you're so. saying is that even if you're trying to so people so, so here let me let me see if I can bring this around. So mm-hmm. Original 80s He-Man comes out to a lot of fanfare, mostly to sell toys to kids. There's a lot of, um, yeah, I guess that's the main reason why they did it. (laughs) Uh, Then, and a lot of people, it hit with a lot of people. And then 2002 comes around. They made a reboot of He-Man to try to sell to new people. Nobody gave a crap. It was new. It was updated. It was decent, decently, it's a decent cartoon. Then, 2020 comes around and they're saying no man nobody cares about that that 2002 he-man let's go back to the original and continue it and it's almost like be careful what you wish for because maybe all the things you remembered like just because they're 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 changing it and going going back to some some things and trying to take from from you know the original spirit that doesn't necessarily make it better than the previous version it just makes it different and sometimes even if you're going for nostalgia you could end up with something worse Yep. So luckily, I don't right. have memories from my childhood to destroy. So I'm not. I'm not too upset about okay. it. Okay. So uh, with that kind of weird say, see, say, seek, segue, whatever, segue. Uh, there is something in the miniature gaming uh, scene that's coming around right now in a similar way. And now, how it, now the latest edition hasn't been released, but uh, there is a new kill team coming out oh i thought you were going to say there's a he-man kickstarter board game coming out (laughs) is there there might be that as well but there was never an original he-man well there probably was some terrible 80s roller move he-man game probably uh but yeah so there's a new kill team coming out and and there's now basically three versions of kill team right there was the original kill team that was i really think released in the fourth edition codex uh fortunate in the back of the fourth edition rule book right and oh i guess there's another version that was the original kill team which was this like um where you play a asymmetric game where one person plays like their kill team and then another person plays like just like random uh uh, grunts and the kill team basically tries to go and kill them and get get uh and accomplish some sort of narrative mission then -hmm. they released another kill team that was basically just a scaled down in the same vein but as a competitive one-on-one version where both people had kill teams uh, which was, I think, trying to be, you know, for 440K, like a skirmish version of 40K. Uh, but this was back in, I think, 7th edition. Then in 8th edition, they released this new kill team that got a huge, beautiful box that is the one that everyone is now thinking about, right, when they think of kill team. And that was like a slightly modified or uh, basically a heavily modified version of the 8th edition rules. But yeah. there was a lot of problems, I think. A lot of people complained. I think we talked with uh, some of our friends recently. And they were saying that there was issues because basically the game was okay, but it died in, in six months. I think uh, a lot of people might say largely because of two things, mismanagement of the property or uh, like of, of, of the releases. And also the fact that it was almost too close to 8th edition. So like... Mm-hmm. They made it like they tried to scale it for skirmish, but they had all of these basically like cruft 
right, from the eighth edition rules that they didn't remove because they were trying to keep it close to the eighth edition rules as some sort of segue into eighth edition, right, 40k proper. They wanted to just make it a progression. They didn't want to make it its own standalone yeah. cool game. Mm -hmm. So it basically kind of died. And people who are into Kill Team, like in, on Facebook and stuff like that, like I'm in part of a Kill Team team uh, group, uh, you know, it's mostly quiet because no one really played it. And then there was a new release that came out. Well, not a new release. They started uh, drumming up. Yep. Well, what they did release sort of were terrain packs that would give you missions. That was most mm. what was yeah. kind of expanding it, which... And Maybe they released. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention they released a two, a new box with updated rules only for Space Marines and Necrons for Kill Team, that was actually more to sell the models uh, inside the box than it was to actually update Kill Team because literally Kill Team has all of the factions of 40k, but this new box only updated two factions with like heavy support for one side which doesn't even make sense in kill team to have all right the heavy support guys well, and then like light in is for infantry to fight tanks but there are no tanks in kill team yeah so it like terminator level guys and then they added, added these other people so actually there may be even heavier than that and so basically oh and then they added commanders which was a total flop in the kill team right which is like a commander is supposed to be like as powerful as an entire kill team but they're just like yeah throw those guys in there too and that yeah, was like the, the guy there should be one of in your two thousand points like huge army that covers the table oh yeah just have one of those guys in kill team too why not yeah with 10 guys and one of the guys is the commander of a two thousand point army is now following around and fighting in this covert action one squad Mm -hmm. so they did they released that to a lot of negative press although it sold really well because people from who play 40k proper <laughs> were like oh this is the only way you can get these new releases in for 40k like as soon as possible because the actual boxes for them were released like a few months later right mm -hmm. so they're like so a whole bunch of 40k players bought that up but it was it kind of upset the kill team players uh, not all of them, obviously, but some uh, accessible portion because it was obviously just kind of like a cash grab. Mm -hmm. um, and they were wondering whether Kill Team, like why Games Workshop was not really updating Kill Team. And now we've, we know why, because they were working on a new version of Kill Team. This new version of Kill Team has new bespoke rules, which is apparently like Games Workshop's favorite word. I don't know how that's different from any new rule set i assume you write you know a new rule set for the rule set but to them i guess i guess that's supposed to mean that that like the development team really tried this time they, they tried not to just make <laughs> the same game as another game yes just rebranding so this actually went to the design team therefore it has best book rules usually we just send it through the uh, marketing team uh, and and that's the normal rules you get yeah, they're like, we want to sell more of this. This will get new players in the other game. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so apparently this new best book rule system uh, is built from the ground up to to make sure that they don't have any cruft from like this giant uh, like army-sized game in a skirmish-level game. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that instead of basing the rule set on uh, Warhammer uh, 40,000, they're basing the rule set on their other skirmish game, Warcry. Oh, good. That could no, it's not based on Ekaranda. 
No, it's based on Warcry is the base system, and then they modified so it up. We were talking like before about how they didn't fully support Kill Team as people were hoping they would, but they have been doing that for Warcry. Like they keep putting out new factions, they keep putting out terrain, they keep revamping yep. the core set. They so released a second they... starter box. So I oh think no, for... they released a second starter box for Kill Team though. I think too. Yeah, well, nobody seemed to care about that one. It didn't change the game that much, but but people they actually seem to have kept the skirm as a skirmish game. They seem to have kept Warcry engaged. Yeah, it seems more there's more engagement in Warcry. Um, it's it's actually surprising considering the fact that Age of Sigmar sells significantly worse. Like it sells okay, but like sells significantly worse than Warhammer Forty Thousand. And it seems like the new edition of Age of Sigmar uh, didn't do as well as Games Workshop hopes, just from preliminary preliminary numbers of seeing like how many boxes they printed and how many boxes are were moving. In, in our local game store compared to the 40 the, the ninth edition thing where they couldn't even keep it in stock and it was just always always going out mm -hmm. so um yeah so to the kill team version there's a new kill team thing and that made us uh think um i don't know uh we, as we started seeing the design decisions they were revealing it's like just like when Warcry was released, it started making us uh, think about uh, skirmish games and, and and the simplest kind of skirmish game you can create. Uh, uh, Kill Team made us start thinking about, hey, what is the, what does it take to make the uh, most perfect sci-fi skirmish game? Yeah, because we're players of Infinity, and obviously, we we won't declare Infinity perfect. We're gonna say we love Infinity. But Infinity is not yeah. like accessible to everybody, so but it has elements yeah. that really make even, it feel like sci-fi. So yeah, even if it was perfect for its niche, mm -hmm. like as, as in like if you think about like I don't know, it, it would be a genre. It's the equivalent of a genre movie, right? So if you have a perfect blockbuster, more people would consider it perfect than a perfect horror movie right because a mm -hmm. horror movie is is tailored to a much smaller audience so when we think about kill team we consider that it's aiming to be a perfect blockbuster skirmish movie whereas infinity is a perfect like really deep it's like a very very deep kind of strategic uh a game that it's basically too heavy and in terms of its rules interactions to ever be more than like, well, it could get big, but it can't, it, it's limited because it cannot retain casuals. Yeah. Cause when you well. think of a skirmish game, if you, mm -hmm. you get the impression that it should be something for people who are more casual, they're not trying to build huge armies. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to play for four hours straight for a single mm -hmm. game. Like that's kind of, the essentials you think are going to go into the into yeah. this sci-fi skirmish game and affinity kind of pushes the boundaries for the amount of dedication it takes to play the game i mean it's rewarding if you dedicate that much but it just doesn't fit the mold of what you expect out of skirmish so here's the question then so so infinity right and four like this is the fourth version um is very complicated but uh during this this release they basically decided to make code one which is a stripped down much more pared down version of infinity that is much it is also still very complicated but it is way more accessible to more people 
So my question to you is, assuming you had the perfect version of code one mm -hmm. and the perfect version of N4, does that mean that the code one version would be more perfect? Because I feel like it would be more accessible. So in terms of perfection, there's like more than just the rule sets. I think I'm just going to talk about this later on. But to deliver a really good sci-fi skirmish game, I think you've got to have certain factions represented, just mm -hmm. like for what the things you expect to see in sci-fi. Mm -hmm. So it's more than just simplified. So we, we say like mm -hmm. to make to make a really good what we consider like genre-defining perfect game, it has to be blockbuster potential, right? Yeah. And so that's one thing, but that is it, that's only one of those things. To make it sci-fi, it has to have a, a whole bunch of other list of things that we would say are are needed to be done and need to be done well to make it a sci-fi skirmish kind of game. Yeah, and I think the one thing that Code 1 lacks is just being able to deliver like the variety of factions. Because the factions they Besides the there, actual gameplay. Yeah, away from the gameplay, it's just you feel like you need to have, like going back to Kill Team, like you feel you need to have your swarm army of tyranids. You feel like you need to have your crazy guys who charge ahead and beat people down like orcs. You feel like you need to have your elite shooters like space marines. You want to have possibly a heavier army. I'll debate that, but I'll keep on going. These elite shooters. Exist, I think space marines are supposed to be the jack of all trades army. Yeah. yeah. The tower is supposed to be the, the elite shooters. Okay. Yeah. And even Imperial Guard. The two mm -hmm. different types of elite shooter. Yeah, I guess like, elite shooter and mass shooting, but they're supposed to be a, a shooting heavy army. Mm -hmm. But at least like 40k, and uh -huh. to a lesser extent, how it scales down into kill team, like represents a lot of different like sci-fi tropes you want to be able mm -hmm. to, like put on your table. Whereas yep. code one, just because they've restricted how you can build the armies, versus uh -huh. infinity, like the universe, the whole game you can actually build those things out in the full game of infinity better than you can in cold one. Mm, I would, I don't know if I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Right. So let me, let me lay it down. I guess lay it down first. Do you think if you were to say which game is the title for before we move on to like the, the, the actual um, other things like, like the actual factions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Code One is closer to that perfect blockbuster game than N4? If not for, you know, like marketing and 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 history and everything. Like I think we know that because of history and N4 already has the following and it's the original. There's no way that Code One is going to be bigger than N4, right? Mm -hmm. Infinity proper. But assuming these were two different properties, right, or maybe in two different uni parallel universes, which would be closer to being perfect? Probably code one is a better, like, it's just more skirmishy. So I think it's... I, I think so too. I think N4, the, the reason why is I think N4 is a bit too complicated. And I think um, to be able to appeal to the mass audiences, and I think code one, although I think it's actually missing a couple of things to make it, quote unquote, like perfect for, for its thing, for its size. Um, uh and, and in some ways that makes N4 
better because it has that. I think it has the greater potential, especially now that there are four armies in it. And uh, so I would say, so armies now. Sorry, six armies in Code One now. It started with four. Oh yes, six armies. That's right. Sorry, I just don't consider. uh, I don't consider Pano and uh, uh, what do you call it? Sorry, Pano and Yujing are the same army. What? No. No, no, no. There's just there's these are the armies that I think of. Yujing uh, combined, Nomads and Ariadna. Those are the four armies in Code One. Yeah, well, I, I know there's Pano because we just said Pano, but I'm like the other one, what? Anyway, uh, the, aren't, don't you play that army? <laughs> the 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 come the on, United Nations, the UN army. What is it called again? Oh, O twelve. Yeah, O twelve. That's the other one. Oh, I I will play them later. You didn't even remember what it was. You're like, I know there's another army, but I don't remember no, what it is. No. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So those, that's what I'm saying. You can remove those. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a cleaner game if you removed Pano uh, and O12 from the game. And so you'd have. The well, yeah, because they're not providing new ways to play either. Like, that's why I said yep. Pano and Jing are the same. It's like they provide a lot of the same play style. So, yep. a slightly different theme. Doesn't add And enough. different art looking armors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go. Let's go in then to. Okay. So. So we already said that, you know, a blockbuster needs to be widely consumable, which means there's actually a limit on the complexity, right? This is why we feel like code one is closer than uh, N4, right? Yeah. No, I'm, we're not saying it's the perfect game for us because yes. like we can appreciate a deeper game, but just in terms of what you think of as a skirmish game, it's more. Like, yeah. What, what it would be more perfect. Yeah. And I think it's actually really missing uh some defensive ability like suppressive mm-hmm. fire. Like I said, if it had suppressive fire, it would just make the game a lot better. Yeah, I think we can go through later what what other ways there are of like because in the skirmish yeah. game, you want to be able to have back and forth fighting to some extent. Mm-hmm. But because in Infinity and Code One, models just have one wound. If you actually sort of dish out your shots first and they fail, they're gone. So there's not not that much back and forth. And when you're down to a skirmish level game, you can't just have guys drop dead like that. Because well, they do have armor and they do have heavy infantry, right? Like you're you're often taking heavy infantry, right? You should be taking heavy infantry. Remember, code one, I think we, we looked at it. The best way to play is 25 points, I believe, on a three by four table. Right? Yeah, just to give more variety so you're not forced to just take point heavy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'd be a three by four table, which is two. If you have two starter boxes or two of those those uh, paper sheets lined up, that's a three by four roughly uh, table, uh, and you play two twenty five point armies, and you will be taking a couple of heavy infantry, which means you do have multiple people who have um, two wounds, mm-hmm. and they also have armor, which means and there's ways of healing them back too. So, yep. So I think that there is some. Um, some back and forth. I just feel like the offense, the game is skewed a little bit too offense. And I think that goes into what you're saying, this back and forth nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, if I were to argue for, for uh, code one, I would say the problem is there's too much attack and not enough defense. 
And so yes. I think this is one of those things that you're talking about back and forth, the ability to push back, right? It's not just more than just Rochambeau, which is what we've been used to when we we're young playing Warhammer 40,000, right? Which is fun in and of itself. But like, uh, I guess in modern day, it's much more fun to have like a, a either a cat and mouse or a back and forth kind of thing where, where when you get hit, you can immediately go on the offensive uh, and then someone mm -hmm. can also defend you Right, defend against your your attacks to be able to be able to counterattack, right? Yeah, um, or trap which, you and things like that. Which is something that they realized that people may want to do in the new kill team. So, on yeah. on on one pro for kill team in the new edition, they've realized that oh, this is actually something that makes a good skirmish game. And mm -hmm. Games Workshop has listened for once. It's weird. I don't know I how well it's going to work. A out. lot of ways in the new kill team. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if they're the way that they went about doing it is great. Mm -hmm. And if you remember in the original kill team, oh, no. I don't, I'm not going to say back and forth. Right. Because so here's the thing. Okay. So, so I guess for, for code one, right. The back and forth nature, I think because offense is so strong and because the way it goes is that even though the, 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 uh, the defender can always react uh, mm -hmm. to every single thing the attacker does, it's always a weaker reaction, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore, attack is significantly stronger. And what suppressive fire does is, a, is, is it basically says, if you attack, I can spend, instead, I can spend an attack order, right? An attack action to make it so that when I'm defending my defender guy in a certain lane, uh, he defends as strong as an attacker attacks, which then part. makes, which mm -hmm. me, then means that the, the attacker then doesn't like doesn't want to waste his attack on this this person and it makes means that he has to get around that person and it adds a back and forth layer that helps balance out the game more instead of just being attack 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 and just kind of push through and then the defender is trying to minimize the interactions on the attacker's uh attack He's trying phase. To hide. on his own turn he just yeah. wants to hide for the most part which is yeah, which in some ways is okay, but I feel like with Espressive Fire, it adds an extra level, and I think that makes the game a lot more back and forth, like you say, right? Yeah, it feels like to... a firefight, because when you think of it, you think of a sci-fi. You think of just like a firefight going back and forth. Uh-huh. All right, so then that goes to this other thing. Kill team, uh, sorry, uh, N4 and both Infinity have this kind of thing where uh, when basically the attacker has a certain number of orders and when they attack even though the defender can always react the attacker gets like basically five orders in a row which means that they can attack very heavily or like 10 orders right as many as they have people they have people 10 mm -hmm. orders in a row where they're always attacking and the defender then has a weaker reaction right yeah um so that is a that's basically in it's like a, a kind of a, a hybrid of I go, you go and alternate activation, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, I get my 10 strong moves and you get 10 weaker reactions to my 10 strong moves. And that is your turn to do 10 strong moves. And I get my 10 weaker reactions, right? Mm -hmm. So on the other hand, most other skirmish games do alternating activation, which means like, whether you have six or 10 or 12 guys, right? Six to, to 20 guys, I guess. I activate one of my guys fully, usually, and then you activate one of your guys fully. So this is 
um, not what the old kill team does, but this is what the new kill team does. This is what Stargrave does. This is what most skirmish games do. Do you feel like overall that is, uh, if you were to, 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 to make your perfect sci-fi game uh, or, 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 pick out of the ether, choose it, would you say that I would prefer this alternating activation kind of thing? Oh. It, it makes the game go smoother. Like if you're going down to straighten mechanics, uh-huh. really having to worry about what one player is doing at once makes the game smoother. But like, I think you mentioned Stargrave and Stargrave things have a little more health. So mm-hmm. you're, pro- you're probably not going to take them out in one shot. Plus, it's, it's different than Infinity, where one guy can just keep going until he kills something dead. At that mm-hmm. point, you really do need to be having reactions, where as if you, if you bring down the level of each individual unit and its ability to dish out damage on one round, such mm-hmm. that the opponent's probably going to have a chance to react on their turn, then maybe mm-hmm. you don't need it. So there's sort of balance between those two, and they the two games go in different directions. Like Infinity, you just yeah. Take actually, sorry, when I mentioned Stargrave, it's actually you you have three activations, right? And so you it's not actually alternating. It's group activation, and mm-hmm. it's like three groups, right? You have yep. move your captain group, then you move your your first mate group, and then you move the rest of the guys. Yep. Right. So do you find that like a good? I guess I guess for us, I guess you're saying depending on how you do it, it, it can work out. Yeah, either you've got to give the guys more health so they can survive when they shoot back, or you've just got to let them shoot back when while they're alive. So yeah, so that you have so even though if we're going back and forth, even though my, my first guy might get the jump on the guy he's attacking, your second guy might get the jump on one of my guys one of my other guys, right? So it kind of goes back and forth. So we're alternating who gets to jump on someone, right? And really minimizing uh, the, uh, I guess the alpha strike, right? When you're alternating back and forth, right? Which makes the game feel more, like you said, back and forth and engaging. Mm-hmm. And I think just because Infinity lets you move that one guy over and over, that you can mm-hmm. keep making alpha strikes over and over without them hitting back. If you didn't have that, the game would just, go off the rails if you don't have the ability to fire back when yeah when they back. i think so too i mm-hmm. think it's actually one of the things that makes it kind of brilliant infinity it's like i would never when i honestly when i looked at the original infinity rules i would i was like how does this game even work this game is going to be broken af right oh, yeah, you're gonna and take, then you're gonna take the power unit you're going to kick their ass and you're going to win in one turn <laughs> yes but it happens sometimes that's <laughs> It's it's usually against other opponents. Well, it's because don't... of link teams and stuff like that. No, I'm talking about like super powerful, super fast units that your opponent hasn't like prepared for defensively. Yeah. yeah, it hasn't prepared for defensively. Yeah, the certain units that are like a third of your army points that mm-hmm. if they if there's an opening for them, sometimes they can be super devastating. Yeah. In that in the way you think of. But if your opponent kind of knows you might be doing that. They're just mm-hmm. going to hide their units more, so that thing's got to waste a lot of time to get to anybody, or they're just yeah. going to put the counters to it out front, creating a good roadblock. So it's not. Yep. Once you're more experienced, it doesn't happen as much. Yep. And it, yeah. So, and the fact that you get to fire back, which means that if if you set up a good defense and mm-hmm. they just try to like muscle you, they will probably just 
their muscle their muscle unit will probably just die on their turn. Yep. If you set up the correct defense, even though your defense might so, not be yeah. which makes it work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that it is definitely not what I expected. And if I were to say most games, I would say definitely, uh, unless you're doing something like Infinity, uh, you should do alternating activation. I think the days of I do all my stuff, then you do all your stuff are kind of over because it limits the reaction. And it 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 also kind of, it's it not allows- as realistic either, right? No, because your opponent just sits there doing nothing, which isn't realistic. And yeah. it doesn't, it's boring. It's just boring for gameplay as well. You sit there doing nothing yep. for several minutes so yeah i guess uh we played um what do you call it um war machine which used to be skirmish mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you know second end of second and third edition and got got a bit big um yeah you could play and Sk- i think that to- was the last time honestly i didn't like the fact that it was i'm doing all my stuff then you doing all your stuff right no. No, and even fun. if you only had 12 guys i really don't feel like that flavor is good. I think just the, the interaction. So I'd say some sort of your game needs some sort of interaction, right. Mm-hmm. To uh, make it work. And usually the back and forth thing, the easiest way to do it is alternating activation. Yeah. Even though it's skirmish, you think the turn shouldn't be that long. It's still the mm-hmm. fact that you use your whole army and you kill off a giant chunk of their army on your, yeah. on your entire activation. Now they're, your yeah. opponent's screwed, and it just can create the opportunity for things to be abused too easily. Yeah. So the back and forth nature kind of gives it a more, um, what do you call it? Just kind of a more cinematic uh, and engaging feel. And, and and actually, technically, that's something that it's not just it's not just sci-fi skirmish. It's like all kind of skirmish games need that, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, okay, so then for the specific, going back to the, the thing specifically, um, how about the specific uh, factions that uh, skirmish games need? I think that's a bigger topic. Do you want to go for a smaller topic first, or do you want to go for um, the big, big important? No, I'd say I say we should just list off the, the type yeah, of things. There's a lot of things that we could talk about. Yeah, right? we already started talking about it. So yep, exactly. Oh, I think the first thing to do is differentiate it from fantasy. Because there's uh-huh. lots of fantasy skirmish out there. We play that and we love Frostgrave. But I think we're like, it's easy to think of fantasy factions. We don't need to go through all those. And obviously there's uh-huh. going to be parallels between the fantasy archetypal factions and the sci-fi. Yeah. Again, again, it's like, um, you know, all skirmish games need this kind of, of, of thing to be really successful, right? I guess you don't need asymmetric factions, but it really adds a lot to them. Yeah, because okay. different players want to get different things out of their game. You don't want to feel like yeah. you're seeing the same opponent over and over. But yep. in terms of where those parallels between sci-fi and fantasy differ, I think it comes down to your shooting. Like it's all all about the shooting where mm-hmm. the difference in your factions starts. Okay. So that's that's a third one, actually. I think that's right before we go to factions. That mm-hmm. it literally is a third thing. You need shooting in the game. And I think, and you're talking about science fiction, even in the science fiction fantasy of the Warhammer 40,000 universe or similar universes, like um, uh, if you're doing a post-apocalyptic one, which is often very heavily Malie focused, right? Like let's say you're doing, even if you're doing uh, Fist of the North Star almost, okay, maybe Fist of the North Star is slightly different, but most kind of 
of like post-apocalyptic things or or fallout or something like that the fighting is defined by range and guns yep so guns basically change the entire way especially you know you could say it like it, it really changed you know uh army combat um but in terms of skirmish level combat like of small squads when you think about i don't know you th- think about modern day it would be like criminals gangs and stuff like that how they fight yeah the fact that we have guns has changed the entire way that 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 people fight and and how people expect it to fight from our mass media right from our movies and things like that where we see these kind of skirmish level assaults and fights um guns kind of rule the day in in general they have to you have to answer what like that basically mm-hmm. yeah because when you go back to fantasy you don't you don't expect a big variety of weapons in fantasy and literally mm-hmm. like the shooting weapon you could have two shooting weapons in the whole of a fantasy game and people aren't going to complain especially at a skirmish yeah. level when there's only a couple guys on the board but when it comes to sci-fi like You're like you, a throwing knife and a bow yeah done you're good like yeah. you're throwing a bow whatever but when it comes to sci-fi you want like you actually want the factions to start being differentiated by their weapons by the way that they shoot and how good they shoot the range of their shooting whether their shooting is big and like i, I agree like the entire uh, array of guns is critical to sell the science fiction uh thing so the science fiction feel so it's a little bit weird in skirmish because the level of like a skirmish is generally on a smaller board. Mm-hmm. So the type of guns that someone might have is more limited, but there's still a bunch of guns that you expect or a bunch of weapons that you expect. Right. Yeah. I guess when you think about the ranged weapons, if you're talking about like a full scale tabletop army game, you expect to see like some super long range weapons out there with like big explosion templates and stuff like that. But once you get down the skirmish, you don't need to have those type of guns. Yeah. But you'd expect still an exploding weapon, whether that's a grenade, grenade launcher, which is probably the two ones in terms of skirmish scale, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could even just say, fuck it, we're going to have a rocket launcher, (laughs) even though it's a little bit small of a board to use rocket launchers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, And then you need, obviously you need your assault rifle, right? Because, uh, or, or your space version, which is your laser gun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the equivalent. Then you need your pistol version of your laser gun, so your laser pistol, right? Yeah. Like these are things that people expect to be able to have in the game. Uh, yeah, and then modern day, of course, they're gonna be able to do it in the future. All right. So, so do you think you need uh, a shotgun like weapon, a short range, high powered gun? I think you need the flamethrower at the very least. You need a flamethrower, a flamethrower or a shotgun. Some some mm-hmm. short range, high powered gun. So a pistol is like a sidearm, right? Which often you will have as some sort of support weapon, right? To like your other weapons, whether whether you are actually that guy with the the laser sword, or like uh, uh, some other weapon, you have your pistol. But you need some sort of gun that is better than the assault rifle if you manage to get up close because again it creates an, an interesting dynamic just like melee wep- melee in uh fantasy or or historical kind of games do- uh, does right you have judging of ranges mm-hmm. a short range high powered weapon right gun fulfills that kind of mechanic right where you're like i need to close so i can use my super powerful shotgun or or flamethrower right up yeah, close you- to really 
it's kind of like the Malief action of the sci-fi. Like they don't for they shooting. Don't yeah, grab, they don't want to grab you, but they want to get like within within spitting distance. Yeah, so shooting. I agree. I agree that 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 you need something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one that I think you need is uh, the gun that sits in the back and just spins up at like basically some sort of machine gun that mm-hmm. lays down heavy fire or strong firepower. Uh, again, if it's space, it could be a high powered laser or it could be like shooting mini rockets or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Ideally it should like to fit the fluff, it should be on some sort of platform or unit that's really slow and pondering. So you yeah. can see it coming for you, but yeah. But if you let if you sit there and let it take aim, it should blow you out of the water. And again, this is because you know your sci-fi skirmish game is trying to model not necessarily real life, but our media, right? Our sci- our, our like science fiction shooting combat, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In media, and there's always that guy who's like you know the the the, me- the main guys are fighting, and then suddenly. Uh, the bad guy, right, has this guy in like a super heavy gun or maybe on a truck. They drive up and suddenly mm-hmm. they turn their giant weapon and everyone's like, oh, crap. And then they all die for cover as the bullets start like going everywhere. You need that gun so that people can have that feeling of like, haha, you felt you 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 thought you could go there. Well, I was ready for you and I'm just blowing you out of the water with this gun. You thought you could finesse me? No, I'll just overpower you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then the, the corollary of that is that if you're able to avoid, you know, the, the, the person that's using it feels great. But when you're able to avoid that firepower and then s- sneak around and defeat that guy with the heavy gun, you're like, aha, you put in all your resources into this giant heavy gun and you thought you had us, but I had my sneaky guy just sneak around and take you out, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the kind of feeling that you want, right? Exactly like kind of in the movies. Yeah. So I guess that kind of transitions into, I guess, right before factions is it needs to be feel cinematic. Oh, that that should be any game that goes for any war game. I don't know if that's true, though. Some people want some people want uh, games that are uh, more thinky and deep. Some people want them that are like. just explosive and and raucous right Mm -hmm. uh and some people want ones that are silly or whatever or just sorry they just want to take stuff off the board roll buckets of dice yeah exactly right Mm -hmm. uh cinematic is a very specific kind of thing where you're saying that it, it takes these events these touchstone key events that happen and kind of uh you know the this this entire phase of this this game kind of is is turning on this this action that both of you are sit staring there with bated breath to see what happens right mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that cinematic feeling like when i want a really good game that's what i want and i think that's one thing that infinity does one of the best of any games i've played right because mm-hmm. of the because every single time you attack the person can attack back right even mm-hmm. though they're worse right on on defense um you can always have that cinematic movement and there's always a pressure when you're attacking that if you press your luck too much you could get killed so there's always that tension that adds that 
that that to that feel which is mm-hmm. missing in a more thinky kind of almost chest or or or, or uh, rube goldberg-esque kind of gameplay like in uh, war machine had right where you try and say oh how am i going to make all these things come together to make i don't know the guy pop yeah where where you had more normalized dice rolls because you're rolling two dice you can expect more predictable results and, and where you can, can add a rate, third dice where ranges are more, more controlled yeah. mm-hmm. you yep. can't move past certain ranges yep and then you have all these status effects that kind of compile and, and build up together mm-hmm. so yeah so to me, the cinematic kind of feel is, and again, this is why I think the back and forth nature of is, is helps with that, right? But that cinematic feel, I think when I think about a game that really sells people, especially like all the way down, like even the super competitive people love that cinematic moment, right? As if you can sell that cinematic moment, but also have a game that's very strategic and competitive, like Infinity, right? Then you're really, you're really hitting it really well. Right. All right. All right. There's no point in mentioning non-sci-fi games at this point. Yep. But in terms of the cinematic part, before we go too further, um, should we go with the factions or some other part about the cinematics I want to mention? Uh, sure. Mention more stuff about the cinematics, and then we'll move on to factions. So this is just possibly just a general for all of skirmish games, uh-huh. but the board size I think plays a big role in this. Uh-huh. It probably plays a bigger, it's probably more important than it is for fantasy. Because you're gonna, if you're talking about a shooting game, you possibly need to have the board be slightly larger than your more melee-centric fantasy skirmish game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just thinking back to code one, where you've got uh-huh. where you've got the three by four board versus a four by four board. Obviously, like it's a now it's not as big as because infinity it's more down to the scale where you think of skirmish being so being three by four is actually very advantageous so that like guys can be in play all the time the board just feels right for the 10 guys you put on the board mm. yeah i agree when you go, when we go down to our board mm-hmm. yeah, it gives like, you, you need the 15 guys to basically fill it out mm-hmm. but the thing is infinity ranges into having like a lot of range band adjusted weapons uh-huh. rather than just sort of short range weapons they have like weapons that matter when you're shooting past 32 inches yeah you have medium yeah. range weapons yeah so to create all these sort of weapons that like past 24 everything else start to make a difference around there you need to have that big board and i guess mm-hmm. you could start shrinking down the ranges that weapons matter at if you're going to start scaling the board down but then it cuts down your weapons options which it makes it makes the gameplay a little bit like it starts becoming a little bit weird right when you think about an assault rifle and you're like well i technically it is easier to shoot someone with an assault rifle but that's like i don't know six feet from you rather than uh like 50 feet versus whatever right it it does make it harder right for the the way they are but Mm -hmm. technically like there is a you know the, the the assault rifle should be able to technically shoot all the way across with with decent accuracy on a four by like a forty eight inch board. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the question is, if you have that as your medium range weapon and you want to shrink and you want to have a, an even longer range weapon than an assault rifle, by saying that let's say the ideal range of an assault rifle is twenty four, you want to shrink it smaller than that, 
right? Or 68, I guess, or whatever, right? If you start, once you start shrinking it smaller than that, it becomes very odd, I guess, right? Yeah, it doesn't feel like you think how you think of it. It doesn't feel right, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if you have a pistol that can only shoot six inches, that's that's really short, man. Yeah, you're like, I could throw a rock at the guy if that, that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like, I think I could throw in uh, like a knife or an axe at that with that accuracy. And I have a pistol and I can't shoot farther than I can hit a guy with a thrown axe. Seems yeah. a little bit weird. Yeah. But if you've got a really small board, you're like, why does my pistol shoot like most of the board? And I've got this other range. Exactly. Then so, do I really need, like, like in that case, does it make sense to have these two different weapons, right? But but you kind of need that because that's how people expect it, right? People expect that pistol from, I guess, all of our games and our media to be short up close. And then people taking out their, their, their assault rifles, which are better longer range, right? Yeah, to be fair, though, like all the scenery on board is usually just scaled down because nobody has the really the facilities to make real size warehouses and real size buildings so for the most part unfortunately well, technically these- if you could do the opposite right if you scale the board size down enough it could be literally what's happening inside a warehouse mm-hmm. yep but that means a lot of the training people take just has to be kind of pushed aside because the buildings that are usually the size of outhouses and like portables <laughs> are the biggest thing on earth they're just, they're they're the they're not the size of modern houses. They are the size of like houses when you had to make your house yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> with with all of the people in your community. They're like everyone. Maybe in the future, you have to make your house yourself. So now your houses are really small again. You have to three D print it, and the three D printer is only so big. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Who knows why why it's so small? But I agree, right? Um, so. Um. All right. So, anyways, just it's a curiosity about what makes an ideal sci-fi skirmish board game. Because I'm thinking that we played Frostgrave yeah. a lot, and if you play Frostgrave one-on-one, the three by three would suggest is excellent. And when you go more players, you go bigger. But that size seems reasonable for it. The thing is, once you start playing like with more guns, should the board actually be four feet long? I don't Maybe not so. in every direction, because then those guys can just wander off and do nothing. But I, I really don't think so. I don't think you need it. So the thing that's interesting with uh, Stargrave is there are no sniper guns, sniper rifles. No. Nope. The long range gun is the is the assault rifle, essentially the space assault rifle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that case, a three by three board makes sense, right? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I think they call a guy a sniper, but he really should just be called a marksman, right? He literally, he doesn't have a sniper rifle or she or it doesn't have a sniper rifle. Uh, like they have a, just they have a carbine, but they're just better at shooting. So they should really just be called a mar- uh, marksman or something like that. Yeah, because it uh, might just be them. They might just be have special mods. They might just be yeah. a just really good robot. shot. Yeah, exactly. So I think in that scale, a three by three makes sense, right? Like mm-hmm. that is basically <laughs> when you start, <laughs> that's close quarters uh, fighting, basically, right? Your three by three are like, oh crap, we're all there. And then uh, people are running into the middle to uh, to gather the stuff. And remember, the game is supposed to be set up in like basically dense, dense tables, right? So mm-hmm. in, in city kind of fighting, right? Like, and and not just like, not our modern like North American cities with giant 
street empty streets and stuff like that the game is supposed to be done in like old world cities right that are very tightly packed that were created like in terms of the size right actually like a junkyard of people just like yeah exactly if you think about it the fight should be like in a giant space inside in a giant space warehouse right that's how much stuff there should be right in the game and if you think about a space warehouse then three by three makes sense right warehouses don't have a big open they might have one open lane all the way but usually like you don't yep you don't drive a car at full speed down a warehouse yep so um i guess the one thing is that they do in stargrave maintain the rule of saying you can't shoot past 24 now the way it's supposed to work is that you're not supposed to have any lanes over 24 but most people don't have that much terrain, right? Mm-hmm. And even like like even us, when we have a ton of terrain, like if we're not doing it at home, like or if we have a the, the like the entire group over uh, playing, you might have two, two or three tables. Then we we start having trouble of you know making sure there's no spots that are over twenty four. Mm-hmm. Start stretching so, the terrain, cover more tables. Mm-hmm. So I guess the idea of twenty four is just saying you know like let's just say there was something there kind of thing, right? To limit yeah. it. You don't have uh, but that's... This is, this is your fault, not the rules. <laughs> I think if they just said like over 24, everyone gets a mind, you get a minus six to shooting. Yeah. But then at that point, you might as well just say you don't, you can't shoot. Cause like at a minus six to shoot, you are, uh, I guess technically if you crit or minus five to shoot, then it basically means you, you only damage someone with a crit. Mm-hmm. that'd so, be interesting all the, battles, all the battles should be like the fights you think of in star wars are not like not the giant war battles but the battles between where like when a couple of them show up and some stormtroopers come after them they should yeah, all be exactly like that where you're not just exactly like, in corridors or things like that kind of thing as opposed to remember this is a skirmish game of two basically bandit like skirmish skirmish units coming together and fighting yeah so so i'm when it comes to creating the cinematic look, like you don't need the big table, but you need a big terrain collection. Yeah, I th- I would say I, I guess we were talking about Stargate specifically, but I would say that the games that I've enjoyed the most, you need a lot of terrain because even if you think about movies and 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 shootouts, it's not it's not interesting when they're just I don't know. It's like an almost people lining up in battle and then just shooting at each other, right? Mm-hmm. And it especially doesn't make sense. Uh, when it's a skirmish level, like you said, when it's just stormtroopers and and your heroes fighting, they're diving to for cover and like small things, hugging walls, getting and, and you need that interesting terrain to make it interesting, right? Yeah, and, and in sci-fi, you didn't just like meet each other on horseback out in the field. You're yeah, not... exactly. I think one of the things when you talk about science fiction, what we think about a lot with like the future is verticality, right? Mm-hmm. We think about one of the great things about technology is that instead of allow uh, of just building out, it allows us to build up. Yep. So when you create a science fiction kind of game, it makes sense that you need, I feel like even more so than a fantasy game. And in fact, significantly more so than a fantasy game, you need that verticality. I feel like without verticality, it almost doesn't feel science fiction enough, right? It, it can, it, it starts feeling, I don't know, more like a Western, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, so going from that, you definitely need in your rule set to have rules for jumping, climbing, falling, like all those need to exist. Then, if you're gonna say yeah. verticality is gonna matter in this game, yeah, and, I, and I'm not saying yeah, 
Yeah. I, yep. Rules that make it work and that feel thematic. Yep. And I think like uh, there's a lot of fantasy games that have that, but I think that is not as needed in the fantasy versions, even mm-hmm. though I think in my opinion, the best fantasy games have those like Lord of the Rings has it like our game, right? Uh, uh, skirmish fight has like, it adds that because you want to be able to have verticality when it happens, right? You want mm-hmm. to be able to fight like a scaling the wall uh, game, right? When you're fighting on the outside, outside of a city, or let's say they're just fighting in a ravine, right? Where one person on the top, one person on the bottom, and they got to descend and fight each other, right? Yeah. It's but not, what you're talking about, yep. Yeah, it's not an army game where it's just about how many guys you can remove from your opponent. It's more about skirmishes, more about where you put your guys. Yeah. And so I feel like, especially in the science fiction kind of thing where you have guns, right? And you can reach out and, and, and touch people. You really need more of that terrain to make it more interesting. Like a fantasy version, because it's all melee, people have to walk around to get to it. You can get away with a lot less terrain because the terrain you have is more impactful when most of the the head-to-head comes out in in melee. Whereas in science fiction, because there's so much shooting back and forth, you need that heavier kind of array of scattered terrain, like ability to duck behind cover and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and in in more melee-focused fantasy games, you could be worried that if you give too much verticality, that the few Uh armies that do focus a little more on shooting will get too much of an advantage because they'll just Mm -hmm. be able to hide away from that melee charging faction. So Mm -hmm. you, you almost don't want to encourage it too too much in yeah. in fantasy yeah but good. if everyone has guns then it, it pounds things yeah. things a lot more mm-hmm. uh and and even if you have some sort of fantasy melee factions you that's why you need that rule set that allows climbing to be easier and i think you do because of that i think you do need to make climbing easier in the science fiction games than it would be in your fantasy games exactly because you you want to introduce first of all the ability to get up there and get a good sniper position and then second of all also like you said for those few guys that are good at melee to be able to scale up and chase them yeah and even when you just sort of picture like what sort of sci-fi faction would be like more melee centric you just think of things that can just like grab walls and climb them really easily because mm-hmm. like alien the xenomorph mm-hmm. right yeah exactly. predator climbing up trees and stuff Arnold Schwarzenegger climbing up trees and stuff and beheading predators <laughs> or beating them up. Yeah. Or also being Terminator. Mm-hmm. I guess it wasn't the Terminator. It was the, the T1, T-1000 with its ice, ice pick hands. Although he never really climbed, but he did hook onto a car. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So, do so you know? actions that we've talked about all the things that can go into literally every single other thing we're like yeah we'll talk about it but then we're like oh wait but 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 you're right terrain verticality all right back to factions okay what factions do you need for a good science fiction game i guess the first thing is there's many different types of science fiction settings Mm -hmm. yeah i guess so but when we talk about it, what, what are the what are the absolute essentials then? Like the core. Okay, the what are the absolute essentials, and then let's choose the setting that it that we would choose for the ideal blockbuster, right? Because that's the game we're we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you need your almost more like a faction full of terminators, where all the guys are a bit tougher, 
Like you can mm. shoot them a bunch and they'll probably survive through it. And maybe they're not the most accurate, but they're probably going to have more of that like assault rifle, laser rifle style weapon. They can turn out a lot of shots, but they're not going to be possibly the most accurate guys. And they're going to want to get maybe more so, mid-range. So like, okay. So I, I so yeah, so like the, the people that can just take a lick, licking and, and keep on ticking, right? The guys that are just super tough and just stand there and just like, they they ask the question of like we can take it right can you right mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of thing right mm -hmm. so that that when you're saying terminator you mean like the t t t100 like arnold schwarzenegger kind of idea of just like plotting there slowly with their heavy armor and then just laying down the fire and and taking all the fire that you give them yeah and kind of like space marines as well where it's like if you just stand toe to toe to them and shoot you that's it's not gonna work they're gonna win in that sort of fight okay i would think space marines are slightly different but i i, I agree that there's a there's a version of space marines that is like that and i think that was a mistake on on, on 40k's part but yeah yep. i think actually the faction that is more like that is supposed to be more like that and it used to be was the necrons okay because the Necrons used to be, if you remember, tougher than Space Marines. But they were the only thing that made them weaker is that they're slower and plotting. And they were not as good in up close, right? But they're still tough, right? But they're just, mm -hmm. whereas the other thing that I want to, that I would say a Space Marine is, which I think we need, right? So besides this tough kind of like, uh, tough layering, firing uh, faction uh, is the veteran jack of all trades faction, which I think is actually what Marines are. They are not, they're tough, but they are not, they don't, they, they're not better at shooting than you. They're not the best at melee, but they are better at shooting than the melee factions, and they're better at melee than the shooting factions, and they're tough, and they're like, they're like elite, right? And they can finish the job as long as they concentrate on the thing that you're bad at, right? Yeah, as long as they avoid what? As long as they avoid the well, they don't have any weaknesses, but as long as they don't. Let yes, exactly. They, they have no weaknesses, but except for less people, basically, because they're so tough. Yeah, but they just have to evade your plan, and they should pull it. Yep. Exactly, and then in, in some ways, it's a lot of counterplay because they 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 need to you know they're 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 veteran there's usually fewer of them right and they're super tough and they're like they're good at everything but uh they need to make sure that they don't fall into the trap of what you're good at right so they can still lose they actually would lose to shooting to let's say a shooting dedicated shooting faction mm -hmm. um if they just go and shoot even though they're so, so tough not because they don't kill three guys for every one of them but because there's so few of them that even if they kill three guys to every one of them, that's not enough for them to, to win the game, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that is critical because I think, I think one of the things that the reasons why is because people just like the idea of like a, of playing someone who's just good at everything and tough and like these elites that, that kind of guys that can stand against everything, right? Mm -hmm. And counter punch. Um, I think that is a great mechanic that people really, really enjoy. Okay, so and we've got that. Like, yeah, 
So we've got the really heavy armored people because it's the future, and somebody's going to show yeah. up being like metal. We got the jack yeah. of all trades, veterans. Yeah, jack of all trade veterans. I think I'm expecting some sort of fast faction because in the future you've got your land speeders, you've got your like sci-fi Tron bikes, you've got people with possibly like jetpacks, maybe even. Like yeah. I'm expecting. I guess this is your expect- your generally you consider them like your um, glass cannon faction. Mm-hmm. Well, glass cannon can sometimes represent just having really powerful guns, but when they get mm-hmm. shot back, they just eat shit. But often, yeah, yeah a fast faction will function as a glass cannon. But yeah, so they like they basically are able to to zoom around and hit you right wherever they feel like it. But if they if they make a mistake, right? You can take them out, and you kind of see this in the movies, right? You have the the guy that's jumping around, and and the the enemy, like the the guy, can't get a beat on them until suddenly they like they predict where the guy's going to be, and like literally he just the, smashes, the jumps, yeah, the jumps, <laughs> and it, lands in the wrong spot and just gets knocked out. Yeah, he literally, yeah, the guy just smacks him his leg, and then he just like instead of jumping around, he like does a three somersaults and lands on his head and dies, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing, right? That's yep. the kind of feeling that people like and the idea again is like it it feels great to be super maneuverable and and saying ah you can't hit me i float like a butterfly right and mm-hmm. stick like a bee but the idea of saying oh but if you <laughs> if you do hit me i'm also as tough as a butterfly <laughs> so, so you, uh do you think of those as like the dark elder and the eldar in 40k full versions i don't i don't think they're actually that super fast in kill team but no, they are. They're, they are fast. They're faster. They are fast. Okay. Yeah, they're they're at least in second the second version, not not necessarily the new one. That we haven't seen the stats, but in the older one, they're fast because they move seven and then so which, space which Marines move six. Do, both, do the yeah, cavalites move seven. seven or both move seven? Sorry, the cavalites move seven too, or just the witches? Yeah, everyone moves seven. Okay. All Eldar move seven, and uh, maybe there's some people that move eight. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and okay. then normal guys move six and then slow guys move five and then really slow guys. I don't know if there's any really slow guys that move four. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so other, other sci-fi, like I said, mentioned like land speeder people, you can think of Akira of people riding around on bikes and that. Yes. Yeah. Like in, in infinity, right. The bikers that move super fast, but they're generally not heavily armored. They're harder to hit, but they're not heavily armored. And they can't get arm, they can't get get cover save, right, or cover bonuses. So, yeah, so if you hit them, they kind of blow up. Yeah, with how the model of Infinity works, you often don't want to send too many troops close to your opponent. But like, you can send one guy out as just like a bullet to do damage from the. Well, so you, yeah, you generally send those guys. That I think that's exactly like in Infinity the kind of glass cannon because mm-hmm. when you send out a biker, right, you send them out you don't send them right at the guy right because that's that doesn't feel very glass cannony right you're jumping around you're outmaneuvering them hitting them at where they're weak and then in infinity what you do is you better have that order to like once you've killed the guys right you tie tail it out of there and return back to a defensive position or they're cheap and you just like it's a glass (laughs) cannon it's destroyed afterwards it's exactly right it goes until it loses and it's just destroyed yep yep all right so we have the slow so we have the slow the 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 tough uh the tough um what do you call them the the tough what do we call them 
the first guy, the tough uh, Terminators. Uh, then we said we have the Jack of all trade veterans, mm -hmm. uh, right? And then we have the glass cannon uh, fast faction. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think you need, you, you obviously, the swarm. So that can come in a variety of different ways. Either it can just be like, oh, those are the low tech people who just like breed like mad. They're people, but there's just lots of them. Or it could be the aliens. With crappy guns. Or the aliens with like lots of guys that, that overwhelm you in melee, like overwhelm you like, I don't know, like Zerglings and things like that. Do you think that there is an appreciable difference in the two? I guess that there is the two. It's basically the melee version that's good up close. And then the guys that are that lay down a withering hail of fire from afar. But if you actually touch them, then they kind of start crumpling. Yep. So I think they, so, play, they play two quite different ways, but they're both... They could both focus on being large. Like, I mean, even the Malice-centric army, it might be possible that your Malice-centric army could be built two ways, where the Malice-centric army could give you options for building, like, tougher, heavy, big dudes, or give you some swarmy options, and you can fit them into the same army. But, mm. but the idea is that you're trying to overwhelm them and swarm them around them, right? And then you might have some guys that are some heavier guys that are just cleanup guys. But it's not like they're, they're almost like, I don't know, pinning your swarm, right? Pinning hitting the, the swarm on the table and your finishers whereas like a veteran army is like every single guy is elite and good and can do the job as long as you make sure they do the right job right yeah you always put make all your guys count whereas in if you've got tons of guys they don't yeah, all have to you're almost trying to swarm them over like some guys are literally you just throw them out to slow them down so that mm -hmm. uh you I mean, disrupt the, them waste, so that you can overwhelm the them in, yeah mm -hmm. so you can overwhelm them in, in certain places and the this, I guess the difference between the swarm melee one and the swarm shooting one is basically their weakness, right? The way that you you take out or, or the way that a, a swarm army in melee like tries to overwhelm you up close, but if they can't actually surround you and overwhelm you, uh, then they lose. Yeah, right? they and then you can dismantle them, right? And then even, yep. If they get shot too much on the way in, because you, you either figured out what lane they were going to try and yeah. run through or they just you know yeah whatever whatever you manage to pull off to stop them from just yeah. rushing through. yep and then the other one is the shooting one which is almost the opposite where they stay planted and they lay down a withering hail of fire mm -hmm. with lots yeah. of people but if you manage to get to them then they suddenly just crumple like like i don't know dominoes kind of thing mm-hmm so those are the two things. It's almost like, are they sitting there like with their swarm and trying to overwhelm you? Or are you trying to uh, overwhelm them? I guess actually the shooting one, you don't actually necessarily need it to be a swarm, I realized. The shooting version, I think the melee one has to be the swarm. because You can only really do the surrounding thing with a swarm. But the shooting one, it could be a, it could, it's not, doesn't really have to be a swarm. It, it's actually just about, high firepower and bad <laughs> like it's just a shooting faction basically well, well there's just factions that can be good in melee so they need to get to you so yeah and and we say melee but like like we said it doesn't have to be melee melee like if you have shotguns and flamethrowers that's basically melee right in the game right mm -hmm. like close quarter like even closer quarters because apparently uh when you talk about like firefights in real life Anything that happens on a four uh, on a three by three or a four by four table is considered close quarters firefight. 
Yeah, they could just have all sorts of grenades or other explosive things there. Yeah. So, but so yeah, so right next to you, I guess, like hand to hand, right? Kind of, kind of ranges. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be grenades, flamethrowers, whatever. Fine, kind of things that people are good at. Yep. Yeah. Uh, laser swords. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I guess the last one, or not the last one. To me, maybe it's the last one. Um, you might have more. Uh, is the shooting faction. And this is the person. So, so this one I'm going to say is not, it doesn't have to be a swarm. It really just has to be really good at shooting. It has the best shooting and it can lay down that firepower. But if you reach it, right. If like, basically it'll always win if it's just a straight, you know, face down firefight. Mm -hmm. But if you ever, if you can reach it or you can surround it or you can disrupt it, then it can crumple very quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that would, that is the, I think we need, you need one of those. So that is, uh, again, just to make the kind of dynamics of play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you can't just make me, because we talk about science fiction, you can't just have it be like, I win all firefights, right? It's like in a specific kind of thing. Usually it's slower, so it's not as good at repositioning. But mm-hmm. when it, but if you hit it, if you move, if you attack it in its kind of shooting direct path it will just blow you off the table before you can actually react right before you can actually get to it and end, end it there so i would say those are the ones that i feel like are um important mm-hmm. uh, do you have any other ones no i think that's pretty key and i think as i said before kill team probably covers a lot of those mm-hmm. third grave i don't know and, if and you'll see mm-hmm. i uh, i think you'll see that all right, i guess in our opinion a lot of the different factions are basically just mixing and matching either like in between factions, right. Of the things that you need or literally just the same type of archetype, but just slightly different. So the, so just so that you remember, we, you have the, the, the terminators, the T2s, the terminators, mm-hmm. right. The tough, the super tough guys. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, then you have the Jack of all trades veterans. Then you have the fast glass cannon. Then you have the melee swarm. And then you have the shooting faction. That was the five, right? One, two, three, four, yeah, five. And of course you can kind of mix and match, right? You can have a a, a tough shooting faction or a tough melee faction instead. But I don't think you, if you have a a swarm melee, I don't think you even need a tough melee faction, right? No, because it's trying to accomplish the same thing, really. Either you've got more wounds on one dude or you've just got more guys on the board to make the wounds. It's kind of, in effect, it ends up being the same thing. It's just visually different. So. Uh, Yep. Yeah, so I feel like if we were to classify these, like I would say, so in in that case, I would say both orcs and uh, tyranids in, in in the melee versions of both of them, are in many ways the same type of faction, except that the Tyranids is the fast version that is slightly more fragile. Mm-hmm. And then the Orcs are the tougher version that, yeah, that's, that's basically it, that are slower. Yeah, if, if, if you're not including vehicles, yeah, that's pretty much on. Yep. Um, glass Cannon, we, you'd say the Eldar, Dark Eldar. Uh, Jeff Wall Trades, I'd say that's the um, Space Marines of all flavors. They're literally 10 million different flavors of the same type of faction that you're trying to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shooting is like both, I think both Imperial Guard and uh, and Tau are the same. 
They're basically mm-hmm. just a shooting faction. Slow tough, I guess that's also the, the tough one is a, a different flavor. I guess technically you can have a different flavor of space marines that, that do the tough version and then also the necrons. Mm-hmm. Um, do how about if you try to map them to uh, Fro- uh Stargrave? So Stargrave, what I understand about the army building is you can pretty much take what you want in your individual army. But I suspect that based on the abilities you give your your leader and your first mate, you're going to want to lean more in one direction or the other. Like, because from what I've seen, some of your abilities can like enhance the ability for the power armor not to have problems and stuff like that. So okay. there's bonuses towards yep. in a certain way. But so you're not, you can you're basically no say. But you kind of through choosing, although the units are like. You can, are, are are like available to everyone. Mm-hmm. You can only choose four uh, veterans or specialists. So depending on which ones you choose, kind of tailors your army, right? Like if you take the heavy guy, he's slower, right? But he does a withering uh, firepower. Then he's the tough, slow guy, right? Or or the the robot. You can take a guys in in mech armor, which mm-hmm. are super tough, but right, which makes you like the, the kind of the tough tough faction. Or you could take guys that are more spread out, good, decently mobile, have are good in close combat, right, with grenades and things like that, and also good up range with a carbine. That would be your jack of all trades kind of thing. Or you could take more of the faster guys with seven movement, right, and then have your your leader uh, be able to enhance the guys to make them move even faster, which ends up being the best cannon because you're trading that for the other guys, right? Or you could just take all the like the best snipers and you just sit there and try and kill the guy which is be a shooting kind of thing yeah so it depends on whether you think skewing one way to just kind of like rock paper scissors your opponent and being able to overwhelm them in one way if they go sort of if they go a bunch of different things you think you can mm-hmm. possibly overwhelm them if you can pull off yeah. your strategy by just skewing towards one of those like faction styles uh-huh yeah so i think that i think that kind of shows though that if you have an open system, right, you can kind of allow people to mix and match into the style that they really want to, assuming that you've balanced it enough and, and set the right levels, right? That's I think true. a lot of point systems try to be too open and said, yeah, sure, you can take a full army of flamethrowers, and then you're like, oh, actually, that breaks the game, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas Stargrave kind of uh, corrals that because you can only take four specialists and you want to have a bunch of little uh, like different guys to help to help do the the, the different roles even and if you want to to lean into let's say flamethrowers if you take a guy with smoke grenades because you want that as the defensive text they don't shoot your your leader off the board that means you have only three flamethrowers right mm-hmm. suddenly you can't have four flamethrowers well yeah if you take if you want to take a melee focused leader you're going to be okay. I want the smoke. So your army starts building it in a particular direction to pull off your yeah. strategy. Can you actually take that heavy support guy? Can you take, if you take those two heavy support guys, then what about the smoke guy? And then if your opponent just takes smokes, then how are you even going to shoot him? <laughs> right. Even though you have these great guys with heavy machine guns. Right. So, so I think that, that um, if you put limits on those things, you can really um, tailor into the kind of thing, uh, the kind of five different archetypes that we mentioned without creating specific factions for them. Yeah, I think Infinity lets you do the same thing as well, even though with them introducing more units now, the factions mm-hmm. play more of the same. 
but yeah. also because the missions have like you're playing around missions all the time not just killing your opponent mm-hmm. so you really have to dedicate a lot of your army towards mission accomplishing units so it holds back skewing too far to any particular direction just because you need those non-kill based pieces in such numbers yeah yeah and i think the the fact that the facts they try to make it so that every not even just faction sectorial so every faction you can take but if you you get a bonus if you take a certain subset of the units uh Mm -hmm. in infinity and even in those you can kind of play most of these different types right it's just the composition and the way they play is slightly different and in some ways i don't know if that's is that a good or a bad thing for infinity well, I would say that certain units are actually just sort of are better than variants in other armies. So if your particular faction or sectorial within that has one of those really effective things at that role, and you're allowed to take a lot of them, like you can take maybe four mm-hmm. of them, that you yeah. can skew in that direction with it. Whereas if you try mm-hmm. to make this in a different army where you had the less effective version, it's not yeah. going to be as worth worthwhile to do. So. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So I would say like... You're, you're right. In the factions or the tutorials, usually you can't do all five. Usually you can do maybe three out of five mm-hmm. in the sectorials. And I think every faction, technically, you could probably do every single one. But although some are slightly better at one versus than the other, right? Um, so even if you do, let's say, um, I don't know, like uh, the, 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 the tough shooting, the, the, tough, the tough army and like Ariana, mm-hmm. you are still going to do a little bit of let's say the uh, swarming kind of thing right Mm -hmm. but even though your focus of your army is tough you get a bonus because you can add a little bit of swarm for cheaper and better than the other army does right so you will always have a little bit of swarm even if you're you have a tough army so you're right your army level your armor level might be a little lower than some other armies Mm -hmm. but maybe you just have more of that armor around because it's your army skewed Mm -hmm. towards that direction Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, so going through all of this, uh, it looks like with those five things, the games that even like, I think this is one of those things that actually, despite the fact that we complain a lot about uh, Games Workshop games, this is something that Games Workshop did pretty well, right? Yeah, they, Anything, they their weakness is that they have too many factions. So there's <laughs> multiple factions multiple that do the same, same thing. Way which I don't know if I would complain about too much, just because if you didn't like mm-hmm. the aesthetic of one particular mm-hmm. version, you then just go with the second version and you'll get your gameplay yeah. satisfied and you'll get your sort of look at the yeah. army satisfied. So I, That's I'm, true. I'm okay with so it. So the same thing as, as Infinity, right? Like mm-hmm. you can do your heavy infantry faction in Pano or Yujing, or even you can do it, you know, in Nomads or Hack if, if that's the one you prefer, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. I agree. I think that's one of the things you have to think about as the aesthetics of miniature games matters a lot. And so, <clears throat> yeah, if you if you build a build if you build a bring your own miniatures game, then I guess it starts to matter less for creating those redundant factions. Mm-hmm. And it starts to be just a little bit more, unless of course you add in all the fluff to them, right? And the yeah. fluff and the story the fluff, might. I would say the give fluff people a reason to do it, right? Yeah, I would say the fluff is a little less important than the look of the miniatures. Because like you've got to paint these miniatures, and then your opponent sees them on the board, and they, mm-hmm. they kind of like they present the story in and of their own look. So, mm-hmm. yep, that's true. But like, <clears throat> I guess that's true. If you have a miniatures agnostic thing, you can just say there's a 
there's an archetype and there's a lizard man version and there's a butterfly man version and you could choose whichever one you want i know yeah. butterfly man version okay moth moth man version i don't know yeah i think that's like that. technically probably not going to be the same army but yeah i think people like their fluff a little more nailed down but... mm -hmm. yep all right so we've gone through um let's see is we've gone through we uh the following things for like the perfect sci-fi game you need um interaction back and forth mm -hmm. uh gameplay uh guns cinematics uh events uh, uh you need terrain with verticality Mm -hmm. And you need factions. And the five factions we mentioned already, uh, tough, jack-of-all-trade veterans, glass cannon, swarm melee, and shooting. Mm -hmm. And so we feel like these are the kind of things, and of course you just need an overall good rules and game. Oh, and it needs to be not too complicated. So mm -hmm. simple enough simple enough to be a blockbuster. Mm -hmm. But enough to create the variety for all those things we just talked about. Yep. All right. So if you were to rate of the games that we mentioned, right? Uh, Infinity, Old Kill Team, Stargrave. Uh, and then there are other games that we didn't necessarily mention. Uh, In Inquisitor, One Page Rules, Dead Zone. Do you feel, and, and possibly the new Kill Team, do you feel like there's a game there that uh, really stands out for you? To hit all, the, or what? which one kind of, gets the closest so in kill team well the guys have more wounds so they get to shoot back in the and new one or the old one well in the new one they don't shoot back immediately it's only the melee they do isn't it oh yes that's true yep okay yeah making sure i read it right but it is i go you go yeah and guys have more wounds typically too Arms are alternating activation but guys usually have more wounds than an infinity model in the in old team? one, no. In the new one, yes. Okay. In the old kill team, uh, 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 Guardsman had one wound. Mm -hmm. Space Marine had two wounds. Uh, mm -hmm. The only thing is that they had, um, when you when they reduce to one wound, they start taking additional wounds. like Right? Like, uh, and they can have up to three of them. Mm -hmm. So, and... So basically, once you're once you lose your 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 profile wound, you roll a die, and on a I think on a four and up or something like that, you you bite the bullet, right? But you can you can take up to three additional wounds and not die. Mm -hmm. That's how the old kill team did it, which is technically the same thing as Necromunda. It was best spoke by taking from Necromunda. I'm feeling like the kill team board is too small, like I. I understand what they're doing with creating their terrain sets that fit on the board. I'm just feeling like the board size in Kill Team is too small to make for proper sci-fi skirmish shootouts. So I really, I kind of disagree. Mm -hmm. For I'll tell you the reason why. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I guess the reason why is I played it and I think it's fine. <laughs> Okay. I think it worked out. I think it really depends on your movement and, and how long the game is and what kind of weapons. Like, I, I don't think sniper rifles technically belong on any science fiction game. And like I said, missile launchers do not belong either. No, right? just 
No, you can have like a grenade launcher slash RPG, but yeah, I guess you could have a missile launcher, rocket launcher, but like they're just kind of ridiculous. It's just like, like a tube, like a tube that fires a rocket. It's not. I uh, no, you know what? I changed my mind. You can have missile launcher, but it's a science fiction missile launcher that is like mini missiles, as opposed to like, mm-hmm. you know, full missile launcher that can take down an airplane. Right? Yeah. It would basically be a grenade launcher when you think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Grenade launcher makes sense. Um, missile launcher, not as much. And so I, um, so I think it, it really, it can really work as one of the things with like a, a smaller board is that it allows you to try to outmaneuver them. Oh, and what we talked about is that in skirmish games, the terrain matters so much and usually nobody can get enough of it. So smaller to make mm-hmm. make the board, the more likely you are to actually have the proper terrain for yep. a skirmish. That's right. And if you're close, it basically means that you started fighting when you were closer, right? Let's say, mm-hmm. and if you think about it, in a city, if you if you remove snipers, they have to get much closer, right? Because they don't even necessarily even know the other person is there. Or where mm-hmm. they are until they're they're able to to lock eyes on each other, right, and, and see them right where they're firing, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Yep. So, so I think it makes a lot more sense that even though technically you know firefights are supposed to be bigger, I think in terms of gameplay, it allows people to sneak around them and assume. And as long as you make the gun ranges make sense, it can still work well. I think the the kill team board is what twenty two by thirty. Okay, just that big. Okay. Yeah, it's, poster, it's not. It's not. It's poster size. We've. we've it's a large it. poster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think it actually does work for the the game size. I think the problems with kill team are more about. I don't know. Being able actually, the best weapon is supposed to be the plasma gun. You don't take a like a heavy plasma or whatever. And I think that was the problem when they started adding all these heavy elites and things like that with all these super powerful guns, it's like, really, you're, you, you're literally taking like an anti-aircraft gun well, against, well, they... against a, to shoot a space Marine. Like it just doesn't make sense. Right. But now in the new way you build armies and kill team for the current edition, newest edition, that's not yet, mm-hmm. not yet out though, is that yep. there's more limitations on like how many of the same thing you can take. There are already limitations, so I don't know if it's more. I guess technically they're just re- recreating the army list. So whether or not they, they allow them to take more or less, that's just a recreated army list. Yeah. Uh, so, I, and we don't know that right now. I think it looks like you're right that you can't you can't take as many of the same weapon, mm-hmm. and it looks like it, they might actually be doing the the opposite, where you're not even allowed to take two of the same weapon. Mm-hmm. which i don't know how do you feel about that uh, i'm okay with as long as you can get the feel of the army in there it sort of avoids the same army appearing over and over like or mm-hmm. army skewing too hard and getting boring because you're playing all the same thing yeah but, but you also have to have limits which it looks like there might not be so you can only take one of every gun but you can take every gun okay but going going back well that means that like if if every gun is better it might just mean that every single army you take just has one of every single gun oh has has that exactly out of guns yeah yeah whatever just have one of each 
if there was a better thing, you were just going to skew the better thing anyways. No, not necessarily. If you limit it, right? Because you you then have an army archetype, like saying if you like like in Stargrave, right, where you have four specialists and you can take four HNGs, but you can't take the smoke guy, right? <clears throat> you can't take the flamer guy. You can't take the sniper. Mm-hmm. On on the note of weapons, though, I think just the limited number of weapons in Stargrave, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like what you'd expect from a sci-fi game, like. It's got some of the it's got the essentials, but it just doesn't feel like the variety mm-hmm. is there. But I think you're gonna you may get bored of like the. Mm-hmm. I think I was su- have, surprised at how good the diversity is. Mm-hmm. What that's the ability yeah. there's enough abilities to buff them that they start feeling different. Yeah, because like Stargrave again, like the main, two main characters, right? Mm-hmm. Although there's a lot more different things, the two main characters are your captain and your uh, and your uh, first mate, who have a ton of abilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the other guys, you know, their main weapons are the essentials, but they are basically what you need. Like, do you really need two different versions of HMG? So, because the other guys, and technically, they do have two. Right, they have the plus four shoot weapon, and then they have the the one that's plus three. But if you stand still, you can shoot twice. Yeah, so I guess that your regular guys are actually kind of the sideshow in Stargrave, and your main guys mm-hmm. will be able to create more variety. That maybe, maybe um, yeah, I I, I think mm-hmm. that though I think, and, and I think you got to try it out. I think that the things that they have add a lot of difference, mm-hmm. right? Like what do you think like how many different types of flamethrower do you need how many types of close-up weapon do you need versus how many types of like yeah and remember they do have different shoot right Mm -hmm. so like you have of the specialists right you have the plus four shoot gun you have the rapid fire gun that shoots twice you have the flamethrower and then you have uh the smoke and grenades guy, right? Those are basically in terms of shooting. And then you have just the normal gun who runs fast, right? Who moves fast. Mm-hmm. So that's like five different guys with very distinct uh, profiles of what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it does. And remember, people can only take four of them, right? And, and a lot of people want to double up or triple up even, right? Mm-hmm. So then it really does create a variety of of play style and also you will then be able to get items like upgrades and, and stuff like that special versions of the weapons right to upgrade like yeah. like we said like what other game i guess technically there is the shotgun i just right as well right so in reality the weapons are limited but the ways of changing the weapons around have has a good variety to it which will probably yep. get the depth of the game where where you would yep ideally position it okay. yep and um they have all the weapons that we mentioned right Mm -hmm. like i don't necessarily think you need four different types of shotgun right like you don't need it right like in terms of 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 how you go and and when you start playing like how how it plays assuming you have all of these other things that you know your, your characters are slightly different and your heroes are vastly different right you have all these different kind of special things going on i think that helps create things interesting i think yeah. you might be right if all you took was those four veterans versus the other four veterans and all you do is just fight those two but there's yeah. so much else going on yeah, and the, the heroes might be deeper than the the, 
like your leader units in Kill Team? What, Stargrave? Yeah. They're way deeper than your leader units in, in Kill Team. Kill Team, your, your leader units is just a unit, right? With a whatever stat block, right? Whereas, I don't, like, we, we don't know if, I guess in the old game, there were buffs that you get right on a table, which is kind of interesting and fun. But like in Stargrave, you like get new powers and things like that. Right. And, and ha- you're, you're, you start off with like four powers, right. Which are entirely special rules that do, do interesting things. And then mm-hmm. you just get more of them. Yeah. So, so I know that you didn't really like the kill team. Right. No, I didn't. Something felt wrong. Was it but... just, was it just the, uh, was it one of the things that were missing? When you look at all the things, I think actually it was, I think it was the interactivity was low yeah it felt like you were just on a it felt like there was an obvious optimal thing to do and that you weren't really trying to come up with anything creative there wasn't very much narrative you're just Mm -hmm. kind of like okay let's just play this out the correct way and see what i get on these dice and then in melee and fighting it just felt like i walked up and smacked you there wasn't that feeling of tension and cinematic feeling sometimes there was but it took a lot more for it to happen well yeah and it it didn't come naturally to the gameplay no, and the mission basically forced you to move forward at a certain pace. And if you didn't move forward at that pace, you wouldn't accomplish the mission. So it just, mm. even though I hadn't played the game much, it just felt like there was like particular things you were forced to do while playing it. And it cut down the your your decision abilities and just... Mm. For them to matter, right? You're almost just yeah. like, okay, I just got to do it this way and hope my dice work out. So mm-hmm. in some ways, it's just kind of like the beer and pretzels thing. So yeah. I feel like that... I feel like that was a problem with all of the games that like all of the games that I played as well. And I, I wonder if that is part of the reason why it just didn't last, especially with all the fiddliness. So in mm-hmm. terms of one of the things we talked about when we talked about Warcry, right. Is that it was Warcry is definitely simpler. And in some ways it really, it really slaps on the, uh, you know, simple as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, the things that they added, like I think we said were, Although it's very, very simple, it could have the the things they added to make it were interesting, I think were the wrong ones. Like the complexity they added back in to make it interesting, I think was in the wrong place. And I think that is why we created uh, you know, we 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 did the exercise of creating a skirmish fight, and then we realized that was quite fun and we, we continued on that, right? And working on that game. Um so uh now there's a kill team well uh version of like a science fiction version you could say of war cry even though they say it's best book i don't know i guess there's all sorts of different special rules i guess that they that allows them to claim to do that although i'm not sure if those rules are good ones mm-hmm. um it just so happens that uh we also created a science fiction version of our game right mm-hmm. and this is just one of those things you know like when you are a when you're playing miniatures games, you obviously, you know, always thinking, hey, could we make a science fiction version of this? What happens if you change things to ranges and guns, right? So you mostly went into this exercise we talked about sort of, because it comes down to facing mattering more and then Mm facing is all fiddly. So the mechanic put into the the sci-fi game, I don't think we- Yeah, to, to make skirmish fight. So skirmish fight is like our, are simple, uh, uh, simple as possible. Um, uh, 
uh, fantasy uh, uh, miniatures game with some interesting complexity that we added that we thought was really needed. Things like uh, hidden hidden information, which we de technically didn't mention for science fiction, which you probably need as well, but that's just, <laughs> all right. Well, 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 so you can go there. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was our, our, our version of, but, but again, it was, it was more Malie focused, right? Mm -hmm. So to make it more, uh, science fiction, right? Um, basically, uh, I want to play the game with, with one of our friends, but our friend, uh, is more into the science fiction kind of thing. So I was like, okay, let's, let's see if I can convert this into a science fiction thing. So the first thing obviously is the guns, right? Um, we needed to add in the guns. In our game, technically everyone has a shooting weapon, but it's only 12 inches, and there's a lot of guys who have the no-ranged kind of uh, rule. But yeah, in the fantasy version. <laughs> but it, to, to make it feel more uh, science fiction, um, everyone has a gun, right? Almost everyone will have a gun, right? Very, very few people don't have guns. Uh, and the guns shoot unlimited distance on our board. Yeah, because the board is only 24 by 30. So when you think of that... Sort uh, 24 of, by 36. Yes. Right, two by three feet. Three feet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when mm -hmm. you think of like the standard spaceman's rifle, you're like, okay, of course it can shoot that many times further than like his yeah. feet. Exactly. They're not running around with throwing knives and throwing axes and throwing uh, like spears and stuff like that, right? They all have guns and stuff like that. So even a pistol technically should be able to shoot maybe less accurately uh, up to uh, like all the way across the board. Mm -hmm. um, so the other thing is instead to replace the kind of short range mechanic to kind of encourage people to get up closer. Um, we have a point blank range, which is the old actual range of, of shooting, which is 12 inches. So you get mm -hmm. like basically plus one shoot if you're within 12 inches, otherwise you have like unlimited shooting. So to me, I, I, like just by that, by giving everyone those kind of things, it really ended up changing uh, the way that the game uh, plays, right? I think this is one thing that, that uh, Joe McCullough, the guy that did Stargrave, mentioned, right? Just by giving everyone ranged weapons in Stargrave versus uh, Frostgrave, it changed the way the game played. Oh, it's, it's a whole different true. direction. Like in the first version of Frostgrave, if any of your opponents took all ranged weapons, they could now play in a way that mm -hmm. could be devastating if you didn't have proper terrain coverage. Terrain and uh, spells, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, in, Star in, in Frostgrave, if you had the proper spells, you could basically shut down a shooting army entirely, but that would lock you into that would lock you into always taking basically fog right <laughs> just in case the enemy ran all arches You're like okay I have to take fog spell. and fog just to create this <laughs> wide thing in front of their shooters for your army to advance yeah. behind the wall yeah and again if they if they knew you would do that they'd encounter by bringing dispel to then take those away then shoot them. yeah that's true but basically there's there's all sorts of different things that go around mm -hmm. for that um but Okay, so um, yeah, so by adding in that range, it really helped. Uh, well, obviously, by just by virtue of that, it made it feel a lot more like uh, science fiction, or at least modern modern science fiction. Yeah, um, yeah and with our rule set, you in Malie with the fantasy version, when you fight, there's an opportunity for both players to be to be damaged, not just the attacker to hit, then the defender to hit that the defender can hit back usually just as well. Yep. But in shooting in the fantasy one, 
you would only sort of try and dodge away from their shots. And that's been maintained yeah. for the sci-fi. But I think the thing that we discussed before is that because mm -hmm. most units include their basic stat has three wounds, mm -hmm. that if one guy shoots another, he's pretty much just going to do one wound. Mm -hmm. So if you're just having, say, one, one person lines up against one enemy, they're going mm -hmm. to shoot back and forth just by the nature of the rules. Yeah. So having the retaliatory shooting like exists in infinity isn't i don't think necessary for that reason as much so yeah if you have the back and forth kind of shooting mm -hmm. right and that's right. exactly when we started playing it that's exactly what happened right yeah, yeah. Back and, and you forth. can think of the other situation where okay if one guy walks in front of three guys and they all shoot him okay they could take him out but that guy's an idiot he walked into a hail of fire <laughs> So thematically, it's fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and then the other thing, I guess the other main mechanic thing um, is that we added um, a targeting. So basically, I, th I think I really like this kind of mechanic. Like, uh, you know, we, we, we uh, kicked it around a little bit and then I actually implemented it and it worked really well. So mm -hmm. basically, there's back front and back arc. So th this the science fiction game is more complicated than the skirmish game, right? Um, and, and the back arc though, uh, if you've played skirmish games, like shooting games with back arcs, it becomes kind of annoying because you're always trying to remember, like every single time you move a guy, you have to position it. Right. And then you have to have arcs on all of the, di all your models. Oh, I, if I, am I covering this little sliver over here? Like, mm -hmm. And you have to have arcs on all your models and some people would complain because often I'm sloppy on my painting, my arcs. So they're like, that's not even 90 degrees. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Although possibly it's true that it wasn't 90 degrees, but you know what? It's a big pain in the butt, especially, you know, painting these arcs and they don't even look good. So um, instead of just eschewing arcs, right? Because although like in shooting, you always think about, you know, being able to reach around and, and flank a gun excuse me, flank a guy and shoot them, right? There's, there's obviously still good things about that because, you know, the amount of terrain in between you is going to be less if you flank them, right? Mm -hmm. But to give a black back arc, I added, instead of having everyone have a facing, there are, uh, you have a target point, right? And you choose a target point on the board and everyone faces towards that board, that point, right? Which means that uh, it's you 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 basically every turn you only have one facing right you only have to worry about the one facing and, and this is a squad level game so you're not like oh yeah. well part of the army is covering this flank part of the army is covering that flank it's like a squad you're telling the squad like yeah. pay attention to this yeah so your leader is facing uh, yeah saying pay attention to this and when you play it out it, it gives them all basically the rough facing and it's surprising when you choose that one target it ends up roughly being the facings that you would already have, right? Mm -hmm. It does though mean that, uh, and then you can change that that marking point once per round, right? So you, yeah. so if someone does try to flank you, you can move it around to kind of do it. But it, it does mean that if your opponent is able to wrap all the way around you, right? Like surround you, suddenly, you know, no matter where you put your thing, you're going to have like a back arc and they're going to start being able to shoot you in the back and get some sort of bonus. Uh, yeah, and you didn't make it such that you can't actually shoot backwards. Yeah. It's just simply that your whoever shoots you has an advantage for the most exactly. part. Exactly. Exactly. So you're not, it's not like you automatically die. They just get plus one to hit. So they're more likely to hit you. 
right? Yep. And the idea is that you're too focused on, you know, the main point that you can't fully accurately like stop them, right? Defend mm -hmm. them from them. Yeah. Uh, and I then part of, I think part of why we considered the rule of having a focus point is that maybe you want to call in like mortar strikes or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, or just like drone strikes, whatever you want to think of in the future, that it allows mm -hmm. the possibility for some sort of off-board weapons to be used like yes without, without becoming too complicated for having to put tokens all over the back side of the board yeah so the idea of a sniper rifle a sniper rifle I... support guy would be a special rule although they wouldn't be on the table which is mm -hmm. you would have your he would only they would only be able to fire in your around your target point right because mm -hmm. that's where they're firing yeah. Now, to make a bonus in some ways to represent that, right, the ability that you're focusing on that, if your enemy is within that area, you could reroll once basically per turn, right? Mm -hmm. You get an additional reroll for guys around that. So now it feels like you're getting a bonus and you kind of want to move the target towards the guy you want to shoot, right? So now it's not just a disincentive because you don't want people to flank you. It's mm -hmm. an incentive to actually target the true target point of where you're shooting, right? Yeah. And you get a bonus for that. Yeah, and now your opponent can kind of tell like, oh, you're paying attention here. Should I actually walk this guy out here or should I try and lure your focal point somewhere else? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Turn around. So it's sort of an interesting like mind games. Yeah, it's working. Yeah, it works really well. And then everything else from the game, um, from the skirmish game, basically the the fantasy version could just it basically just directly transport transports right like the the tactic cards and the hidden information and the sneaking around all of that is in the fantasy version because those are things you need right which that would be the cinematic moments the the back and forth right all that kind of stuff are in there the one thing that is and the terrain movement like like we said like you know jumping and moving up things is already built into the fantasy version because we just like heavy terrain games right so it's it just transports directly um the other thing is the factions so uh i did this is i guess the biggest part of the exercise is i did write basically army lists for all these different factions basically yeah all these different types of factions and a little bit more basically because you realize that just paralleling the 40k factions isn't necessary because they in fact when it's a small army can just be they overlap so much yeah yeah so i did think you know like in terms of but there's a lot of overlap in if, if you look at them i did think like oh well if you have a 40k faction what would it parallel a lot of it is you know you play games you have certain models but it, really it's just the archetypes right like i wanted your jack of all trade veterans you're like best of the best right it's not just space marines like literally any kind of space movie you're going to have that you have master chief right you have master chief and the spartans you have these kind of things those are like the best of the best kind of guys going on right then in starcraft you have this like the literal i guess the space marines are cannon fodder but yeah, yeah. so then i thought about it and, and actually i had written like a small kind of like just ridiculous my imagining of what a ridiculous uh, empire fantasy would be like and mm -hmm. I just took those. So there's like the space Marines, there's the army, of course, right? There's just, just like troops, you know, thousands upon thousands of troops. And then you have like these post-human people, right? Which are the gifted, right? Who are like super fast, kind of glass cannony, right? Then you have like these mercenary uh, berserker guys, 
right? Who who are, are kind of really good in melee uh, and, and a little bit more spammy, right? Um, and then you have uh, these uh, the technocrats who are like android kind of uh, like uh, terminators kind of things. And then you have the one faction, which is the only true aliens of the thing, which is called Xenos, right? Which is the, the bugs, more, right? The tyrant, the, it would be like the tyranids or the, the zerglings or the or the the starship troopers uh, bugs, right? Yeah. I, I imagine the more as jellyfish though, but I like each the day after tomorrow aliens, which is like tentacles everywhere. Yeah, that's what I think of them as. But yeah, so then once you added those things in, I was surprised that like, this is actually, you know, at least we're following our, our what we think is needed, right? When you add it all in. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, what is the uh, perfect skirmish game? Well, we're working on one. <laughs> mm -hmm. We'll see how it goes. There can always be things that break, break games. You never... Yeah, it's true. Like this is a, this is it just breaks the games. Yeah, and this is literally like I don't know a year. I guess we I've been slowly compiling it for a year, but COVID happened right during COVID, so I've only literally just started playtesting it now. And then I was like, oh, Kill Team came out. What a coincidence! So mm -hmm. I was just it was a time to really talk about well, what what do you really need in that science fiction skirmish game? And I think. The thing after this talk that is is missing somewhat is um, making sure that there's the good variety of guns. Yeah, is the one thing, and I do wonder about adding more abilities to have a a, a support shot. I I, I might want to add that. Oh, the off the board sort of the off thing. the board mortar sniper kind of thing, supporting fire, mm -hmm. uh, or suppressing fire. Maybe I'll call it or call in shot as one of the event cards like one of the hidden cards tactics that you could have that you start off with that makes sense i don't think we mentioned before but yeah in like the characters in stargrave will have like their abilities and then in kill team mm -hmm. or even having kill team your opponent doesn't know about you've got the command cards for your command stuff uh those are open information you don't have anything yeah. In the mm -hmm. old version of Kill Team, you didn't have anything. In the new version, I don't know, maybe there's a rule they haven't told us that says, oh, by the way, you also have hidden tactics. Oh, you know what? I think you have hidden secondary objectives. Yeah. And oh, oh, in and the second Kill Team, in the second Kill the new Kill Team, they have hidden secondary objectives, which is good on them for realizing that hidden secondary objectives are awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just thinking of War Machine, like the one good thing about War Machine is you could kind of like build up combos by things your opponent didn't expect, but the scale just went went way out of hand. But like mm -hmm. some small scale version, that is actually really fun. And those tactics mm -hmm. cards like we put into the, the games, I think allow yeah. that. And that, yeah, as yeah. you said, in sci-fi, one of those things that isn't expected could just be snipers off the board, mortars off the board. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> my question is, do you then take out your sniper and put them there? If you want. There, yeah, there's another thing you could do is saying, so this is like the first version of the thing. The other thing you could also do is say that you have snipers on the board and they literally, they don't, maybe they, they can only move two inches, but they can only fire in the zone from where they are, consider, like, pretending to be six inches oh, up. If, gets, and, and if, the line, if the line to the zone gets blocked, then they can't fire? 
they can only fire at anything from there them to the line in like let's say a one inch line or something like that or mm -hmm. whatever let's say a, a cone right mm -hmm. yeah because well, when you think of modern battles modern battles you often think a lot about snipers in the future mm -hmm. for some reason you think less about it and you think more of just bringing in like drone strikes and crazy things like that so who knows mm -hmm. if it's in sci-fi you actually want like the sniper mechanic versus something else there's there's a very simple reason why you want a sniper mechanic because sniper models are cool <laughs> so yes. you want to be able to put them on the table be like ah this is cool and then just have them around the table i think that's basically the reason why you need them uh, otherwise mm -hmm. you're right you don't actually need them at all yeah so all right so i think we basically went through everything we mentioned um how we would be even talked about a little bit of how we we are trying to implement this as an exercise um i might we might release just the the, the thing after play, doing a bit more play test just to see if anyone um has uh you know if if uh people have interest uh if you do uh yeah you can give us a shout we'll we'll send you a a play test version um yeah you can uh, email us at uh, contact at diceofeverything.com uh, and we'll send you a version of those rules. Yep, because Kill Team's not out yet and there's no point in playing the old <laughs> one until then. Yes, although Kill Team is coming up very soon. Do you think, mm -hmm. okay, so this is the final thing. It started off, this entire topic, this idea, uh, we started talking because Kill Team was released, right? Do you think Kill Team will be the perfect skirmish game or close to it? Okay. Oh, because GW fucks everything up. <laughs> oh, no, not everything. They fuck every rule setup. The models? No, they don't always fuck up the models. But yeah, so, sometimes they, they find, do. But like, They find a way to fuck up gameplay. Just they do. I think, yeah, I, I for this one, I feel like they tried to make it simple, and they just overly complicated it right like you look at the symbols that they added for measurements and Why? they tried to make it more simple they're like oh this is easier than inches no it's not it's hard to i read. literally looked at this this rule that they added where they said if you are within triangle then and your opponent is within square then get so and so bonus i'm like is that supposed to be easier first of all that means you've got to, you've got to link triangle to a distance and then do it as opposed to going not linking distance to distance yes. and that's and even if you're talking about symbolic if you if you think about it technically you well, should know a square if you're talking about geometry it's useful information to know a square is three times the length of a triangle because a triangle is one inch and a square is three inches so it's useful information when you see a card to say, oh yeah, one inch to three inches, because that becomes geometry, it matters, right? But when you start connecting it triangle to square, suddenly when you're, they're both measuring the same thing distance, it obfuscates the relationship between these two distances that actually exists on the board. So unless they bring back whippy sticks, which are basically plastic sticks, and, and <laughs> no. The, the first half of the whippy stick is triangular, but the second half of the whippy stick is square. <laughs> yeah, they, sure. Then, then this would make perfect sense, but they're not going to bring back whippy sticks. Yeah, why don't they bring back... Whippy sticks are probably too expensive. I know, and they won't fit in, the, they won't fit in this small box like that. It's not an army-sized box. It's just a skirmish box. Mm. So, unfortunately... So, so here's one of the things, yeah. And square whippy stick. 
They can have they have the twelve inch rules. Although their twelve inch rulers are just like flimsy, their whippy sticks are better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. I I do say the whippy sticks were were excellent excellent measuring sticks. Oh. It's sad that they they got rid of them. Um. Yeah, so kill team. I think it's not gonna. I think there's gonna be a lot of a lot of issues because you're right. Kill like. G- GW, they tried with the simplification. I feel like they just made it more complicated. The interactability, there seems to be more because they finally did the um, alternated activation, which is a huge win, I think. That'll be good. Um, I'm not sure about the cinematic nature of it because it's running the Warcry like three versus five damage system of multiple dice. When you roll three dice and then every hit is three or is, is the first damage and then every crit every six is the second damage i just i'm just not sure it's going to add, add cinematic feeling to the game no there, there's some way that they could have the cards off the board do interesting things which they yeah they haven't talked were you surprised on people yeah they haven't talked about extra bonuses and all that so if if that's yeah. actually really good that could make that's true book. there's yeah. a lot of things about that are missing like events, like like special abilities, which were in Kill Team, like their the previous version. So they're probably going to have some version of that in the new one. And if they have good versions, it could create that those cinematic moments. It could, it could make up for all the downfalls. I think so. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. we don't. But we yeah, we of... don't know that. We don't know that. You're right. We so there could still that. be that. I think basically the the thing that just makes me a little bit worried is the simplification of the game. It's just, um not quite there although again they have all the factions so they have yeah. basically everything except for the simplification and 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 so i guess we'll have to see yeah there's still a few too many rules you've still got a rule to hit you've got a rule for toughness you got a rule for armor there's still, there's no no, no you don't rules. have to roll for toughness anymore oh. it's roll to hit and then roll for armor oh if i still saw that in there nope okay interesting uh, sure. hmm. am I sure? No, I'm not sure. All right, it is right. Yeah, it is because you have two wound rolls, right? You have a to hit and then a wound rolls. Is is there a power? No, there's not. I'm pretty oh, sure no. they removed the the toughness roll, which is good. Go back and take a look at the stat lines on things again, because I'm I'm just basing yep. on the stat lines that I saw, not just the mm-hmm. not the rule types. Yeah. Well, if it doesn't work out, like I said, you can. There's a lot of other games, not just the game that we're working on, um, but uh, there's other games that one we mentioned is obviously Infinity. Uh, Infinity Code One is great for for people to start out, although it's very very complicated. Uh, you have Stargrave, which I would say everyone should play. That game is, I think it's well, judging from the the fantasy version, I've only played. Uh, like single player on Stargrave, but I think it's a winner. If you play enough of the Fantasy Frostgrave, then maybe you've got your fix. So. Yeah, that's true. We do play a Fantasy Frostgrave, so we might not need that, but we also play Infinity, so we don't necessarily need the science fiction thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have our own version, which generally I know that you're not as as uh, interested in because we already play Infinity, but uh, yep. Um, there is also... Well, some other games that I would like to to shout out. Well, I think it's harder uh, if depending on how long you want to go on about our games. Huh? Yeah, I think that our game has a big focus, 
on being able to do more of a single player campaign based around sort of a choose your own adventure thing mm -hmm. where it's hard to do that when there's a lot of shooting going on because you're your characters aren't forced to move around the board to different locations as much when they can mm -hmm. just sort of gun everything down. So yeah. I think a game that tries to like do that single player experience works better without being a, works better as fantasy with, than sci-fi. In a fantasy, I agree. With more melee focus, more close range focus, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would like to see how there's a game for single player called Five Parsecs from Home uh, that is being released, that is unfortunately sold out, so I couldn't get a copy. That mm -hmm. is single player science fiction skirmish game. Um, and that is something else I want to call out, but apparently I don't need to because it's sold out. What are they selling? Oh, are they actually trying to sell you It's just a rule book. It's just a rule book. Oh, and they're not, they're not selling through like Amazon or? Uh, they might be selling through Amazon. I, I only checked through um, like, the local retailers that oh, we okay. have. Um, and then the another game that I'd really like to shout out, which I haven't tried, but I've heard really good things about is one page rules. So one page rules, and I did I did take a look at it and I, I like when we can play, like probably in a couple of weeks, um, I'd like to try out this rule set. It's supposed to be very simple, very good, and you get straight to the point. The idea yeah, of one page I is the base that the, they can be summarized for veterans to be the rules to be like two pages, right? One on the front, one on the back. Yeah, from what I've seen, they've done an extensive list of armies. So, yep. And so I do want to try that out. I've heard lots of good things, and a lot of people have said like, if you don't like in uh, not Infinity, if you don't like because nobody doesn't like Infinity, um, if you don't like Kill Team, it's a really good replacement because it's again it's supposed to be a skirmish version, like literally kind of replacement for that. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's basically it. What makes a perfect skirmish game? There is no perfect skirmish game. It depends on what you like. But we've told you basically what we consider is our favorite version. And like mm -hmm. we said, if you if you like our aesthetics and the things that we think are important, you might uh, try the games we've recommended. Or uh, like I said, email us and try out the uh, science fiction version of the game we're working on. Um, yeah, and at some point we'll post the it online once it feels polished at diceovereverything.com yep uh so uh if you have any questions or like i said you, you want a copy of the uh, working rules of that game uh you can contact us at uh contact at diceovereverything.com uh or you can find us on facebook at dice over everything group or dice uh, over <laughs> yep that's it this has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye.